podcast downloaders and welcome to three amigos on three amigos <laughs> the only show that has three friends two of whom are married to each other now this isn't gonna work we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to scrap a little of this two friends <laughs> who are not married <laughs> uh i am one of your hosts kelly dusty bottoms powers i'm brent lucky day phillips and we had originally planned to have a, a third person join us today, Brent's beautiful wife, Brandy, but unfortunately, babies happen. Yes, babies do happen. I mean, should I much more, I should probably say, very fortunately, babies happen. <laughs> uh, this is also, probably would have gotten around to this particular recording a lot sooner, but again, babies happen. Yeah. And we actually watched this, like, what, two weeks ago now? <laughs> it's, yeah, something like that. It's been a while. But, uh, I mean, so that I can get it officially on the air, congratulations. Thank you, thank <laughs> so, you. That's fantastic. Um, so this was your pick. Uh, this was, there, was, there was no getting around this movie. This was, that had to happen. This was happening when we were... Because you'd never seen it before, right? I had never seen it before. And you told me you've seen this... Countless times. I gotta say, I wish the listeners could have been there when we watched this because I don't. I've never seen you so giggly and and <laughs> and just so delighted. <laughs> like I, I tried to like tone it down because I would start laughing before <laughs> stuff even happened. So I would like remember I was like, all oh, right, the the male playing bit like that kills me. And you totally told me, I'm going to try my best <laughs> to not, not to it. say the lines as they're happening. <laughs> or, God help me, before they happen. And you, for the most part, contained yourself. There was only a couple spillages where you couldn't quite keep your mouth from All the silent those... film stuff, I can't not say it as they say it on screen. <laughs> All the silent film stuff's gorgeous, too. Um, yeah, well, so this is like your... I mean, this is a comedy, but this is like your... I was going to say cult film. Can, can a cult film be a straight comedy? I think a cult film could be anything. Sure. It doesn't have a... I don't know that you can be a cult film with three of the top comedians of mm. all time in it. You got a point there. That's true. Um, I think it certainly didn't do as well as everyone had hoped it would do, as I understand it. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the history of this film turned out to be a little, um, like... It could have been a very different film. I was just looking up some basic stuff just off of IMDb, and mm -hmm. uh, and from what I found, it could have been a very different. Like the director for a long time was supposed to be Steven Spielberg. Can you can you get that in your brain? Well, I mean, I guess they would have played it straight, or was it always a comedy? It was always a comedy, but okay. he was he was seriously considering this for a long time. This was uh, nineteen eighty six. He was seriously considering this for a long time and then decided on going with E.T. instead. I bet he regrets that. Yeah, I know. Whoever heard of that movie? Um, and then Jonathan Landis, uh, Animal House, ended up being yeah. the director. Uh, his other big collaboration with uh, Chevy Chase being uh, Spies Like Us, which was, I think, also 86. It's a great out. movie. Yeah, both those movies, I think, came out the same year. Um, well... They even say in the movie it only takes eight days to shoot this thing. <laughs> we shoot it all in eight days. You go down to Baja, shoot this thing in eight days, and uh, you're done. I gotta imagine shooting a silent film. 
probably was a much simpler production. I mean, flub your lines, who cares? No one even knows. No one even knows. There's no audio equipment to arrange. There's no audio, you know, mastering to be done afterward. afterwards. No. It had to have been a very simple thing. Eight days is probably generous. Um, so, so, yeah, Jonathan Landis directed it, and he did this movie while preparing his defense for trial for the wrongful deaths of those actors on the Twilight Zone movie. Remember? Do you, do you know about thing? that? The helicopter thing. Ugh. So for those of you who may not know... Ugh. Yeah, this is rough. Hey, it's this a comedy. Took a, this took a heavy fucking turn. <laughs> yeah. The smile just dropped off Brent's <laughs> face. So yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Landis also worked uh, on the Twilight Zone, the movie. And there was a scene in Twilight Zone, the movie, where there's a guy... Uh, I think he's like falling through time. He keeps ending up in these different scenarios. And he, he lands in like Vietnam in the middle of a battle. And there's a big helicopter overhead. And the guy has a, a couple of kids, these two kids he picks up in each arm. And he's running through like the jungle and swamp trying to get away. And when they were filming this, the helicopter basically just fell out of the sky and killed all three of them. But by all accounts, it was... Like, the, the helicopter pilot told him what he wanted was unsafe, and he really they didn't do it. Really? Anyway. Wait, like, he, Landis, made them do it? Landis, oh, specifically. God. The pilot was like, I really don't want to do that. That's unsafe. And he was like, you better do it or you're fired. Like, oh so like it was so Landis' fault, it's stupid. And as far as I know, he was acquitted. He was? Wow. I don't know, it's a weird... I mean, I, I think a civil suit would certainly have paid out. It's it's tough to get, like, a manslaughter charge on telling someone else to do something that's dangerous. Yeah, I mean... When, like, there's actually someone... I mean, I, maybe a lot of these regulations came out of this sort of situation, but, like... Yeah, maybe. There are people on stage that are responsible for the safety of it. And, like, sure. the director ultimately is responsible for everything, but, like... Can be overruled by safety yeah, there experts. Yeah, there should be someone who's, like... No, we will not kill people for your movie, you know? Come but, on, it'll look fantastic. Well, then, like, I don't know. It was dangerous. Ugh. And obviously something did go wrong and it crashed, but, like... And the movie came out anyway. Twilight Zone, the movie was finished. They had enough footage to complete the movie, even though that all happened. It was. Oh, and awful. if you're at all curious about this, I urge you not to read up on the actual crash. It's horrific. Oh, yeah. Don't. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, <laughs> good times. That's what. That's where his mind was while while shooting this picture. He was preparing his defense for court while filming this. No helicopters. No helicopters. Um, and I think uh, originally they had in mind Chevy. Oh no, they had in mind Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi. Oh, weird. Okay. For a long time, those were the three set. And, like, I think um, either Aykroyd or Belushi even, like, mentioned in an interview in some magazine, like, yeah, I'm doing this this picture next, Three Amigos. And then he ended up not, not, not being in it at all. I wonder what happened. I don't know. Uh, at some point, they cycled through actors. Steve Martin was always attached and, and stayed on, and the other two went through a couple of... Uh, Recasts before they landed on Martin Short and Chevy Chase. Um, the writer of this movie is Randy Newman. One of the. No, he wrote this. This is his only film writing credit. <laughs> I mean, he's a songwriter and he wrote this film and like he shares a film writing credit with somebody else, but... Uh, it's like he partnered up with this guy. There's only one other writer on the film. Yeah. It was Randy Newman and this other person, whose name I'm sorry I didn't even bother to write down. But um, Lost to history. It's bizarre because if you look him up on IMDb, Randy Newman, he's got all these awards and, and song title credits, and then one credit for writing a movie, Three Amigos. Well, there's probably a thousand screenwriters for every person who can competently write songs for movies. Probably. So... That's where the money's at, man, if you can do it. He's also the singing bush later on. Yeah. He that. is the actual singing bush. <laughs> I love that show. Um, before we get into the actual movie, I, I wanted to 
just talk a little bit about the structure of the story. The story of this film is basic. We've seen this so many times in different movies. This is The Seventh Samurai or The Magnificent Seven or uh, there was a space version of this, terrible space version of this in the 80s called uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is Blazing Saddles. It's all, there's a small town or village or planet that's in trouble. They need to get professional help. They send out their emissary to go out and find help. Yeah. And they come back with their rogues gallery. Yeah, who come less back than to, what they wanted. Right. Who turn out to be a mistake. or It's it's also that movie, um, uh, A Bug's Life. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's exactly right. that movie. They yeah. go out and they bring back their warriors to defend the village, but these are circus performers. It's the same thing here. They think they're real warriors, but they're just circus performers. They think these guys are real cowboys and they're just see what this made me think of was tropic thunder Mm. yeah um where i mean like honestly i think this movie pulls it off better than tropic thunder did where they are actors pretending to do the job and then they end up having to actually do the job yeah tropic thunder doesn't handle that transition very well arguably this movie doesn't handle it that well either (laughs) like it definitely the first half is better than the second half right but um, that always made me think of Tropic Thunder. Always made me think of Three Amigos. Okay, I could see that. Um, but yeah, it's just I I feel like this is a time tested story that we've seen. It's a very elemental many story. times. Yeah, it works very well. Um, and I love how this movie starts because it's the the song. If 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 Brent is on his game when he's putting this together, you will have already heard the song. You absolutely will have heard it. Okay. The song is just the best. That long note is the greatest. I really like that it just sets you up for exactly what you're about to watch. That's exactly what I was thinking. There is no confusion about what movie you're about to see when you have the intro like that. Because... Actually, after that, there's kind of a lull for a while before something. You got to introduce funny some stuff, yeah. Like I think the next thing that's funny is the silent film, but even that's like, I don't know, it can't be funny. Yeah, yeah. And then like, uh, they write the letter. Like it's not right. hilarious. And this song, I think it's funny because I know where it leads. Because the whole thing about <laughs> infamous, like yeah. I don't, I can never get over that. This song is not wasting any time. It's a great econ- uh, economic use of tone yeah, setting. screen time. Yeah, it's perfect. And and as we're watching it, Brent is giggling and <laughs> he's just like laughing. And it was, it was great. It was, it was perfect opening. Um, it gets, I'll tell you this, it gets funnier every time you see it because like, especially like them in the back like, yeah! Yeah. And stuff like that, like that never gets old. There's, there's movies that I can watch and laugh just as hard or maybe harder every time I see them as if I've never seen it before even yeah. though I know it's coming Young Frankenstein is like that to me I can watch Young Frankenstein and laugh like I've never seen it before and don't know what's coming and I'll laugh just as hard and maybe harder I've never seen it you've never seen it once? Oh, buddy was that an 80s movie? I'm pretty sure Young, that'd be late 80s Young though, right? Frankenstein yeah I'm pretty sure that's in the 80s <clears throat> we'll see um, That that is one of Mel Brooks' crowning achievements is Young Frankenstein. The other one being Blazing Saddles. I think those are my two favorites. Followed maybe by High Anxiety. Did you ever see any of those? Which one's High Anxiety? High Anxiety is the Hitchcock parody where they do um, Vertigo and the Birds. and I haven't seen any of those. Oh, they're all fantastic. They're so funny. All right. We'll, we'll watch. We'll have some. We'll get them all. We'll have some time. Someday. With, with Mel Brooks' films. Um... So the the story takes place in 1916, um, and we're in Mexico, following Carmen walking around uh, some some town in Mexico. What cracked me up immediately was she walks into a bar called the Cantina del Baracho, which loosely translates as the Bar of the Drunk. It was well named. Yeah, and she's asking for help for her village, which is threatened by El Guapo. <laughs> the handsome the handsome El Guapo who is not living up to his name no not really damn although I he, like his henchman Hefe Hefe's pretty great too man 
<laughs> that phase is number two. And there's a there's a like a bunch of henchmen that you never get names of that are just they look fantastic. Yeah. Um but she she asks for help, she doesn't get it, she gets laughed out of the bar and, and whatever. And she gets sexually assaulted out of the bar. She almost does, yeah. That's yeah. a near miss. Um her village is Santa Poco, mm-hmm. which, as we were watching, I said to you, doesn't that translate as Saint Little? <laughs> um, although, technically, if my four years of high school Spanish and one year of college Spanish taught me anything, it's that the masculine would be San Poco, not Santa Poco. Well, it would be Little Saint, wouldn't it? The adjectives come after? Yeah, I think you're right. Well, there you go. I think you're right. Um, again, I, I I can't speak Spanish. I, I took the class. I got... Well, I've been listening to at least a third of an audio tape of how to learn Spanish, so I'm pretty much fluent now. I got all A's, and I can't speak a damn word of Spanish. Like, I can't read it. I can't speak it. I don't know how I got A's. Whatever. Um... They, she walks into that church where they're watching the Amigos film in church as just like their church gathering yeah. uh, thing. I love how the the organist, the church organist, is playing this the music to the to the picture on the church organ. I thought that was cool. Um, and we get to see them in their silent film with the heavy lead. So paint. much makeup! It's oh great. my god, the paint on their faces like enough that you're like they probably got cancer from that. No kidding. <laughs> oh, and. Their, their lips are like black. <laughs> they look and it's funny, the bad guy has the worst of all. He has just so much makeup and then he has the biggest eyebrows of all time. Yeah. It's great. Um, Carmen. Now, let's talk about Carmen's naivete, intelligence level. She's looking at the movie. She sees this as a film and entertainment. But she didn't understand that it was fiction. In 1918, people watching silent movies didn't understand that it was entertainment and fiction? I don't know. It was probably the first movie she's ever seen. Maybe? I mean, maybe. So, I'm not trying to pick on Carmen specifically. No, because everyone's very dumb. Very much so. The good guys, the Most people are dumber than her. Yes. As the movie goes. Yes. Um, So, it just... It seems like she walks. All right. Well, she did seem like when she when she was walking around the town earlier before she walked into the bar of the drunk. You're she, right. She, she was, was very, very wide eyed. Na- she's very naive. She she saw the car drive by and was like, "What is that?" You're right. You're right. Yeah. So maybe she just. Wait. She might have never been to a big city. Maybe she's she might never have been seen in any of this stuff. Yeah. Been in Santa Poco forever. Who knows? Yeah. So but if that's the case, why do you send her into the? Let's send our most beautiful woman alone into the town. Yeah, that's a good point. Unless I could see another way where she was not sent, but was the only one brave enough to take matters into her own hand and go. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. Um, and so she goes to the telegraph office and decides decides to wire Hollywood <laughs> to ask the three amigos for help and defend their village. And a very poorly worded telegram later... The, the message is sent. Um, and then we go to the studio. And what I love was um, the, the scene in the studio with the studio uh, boss. is That's Joe Mantegna. Mr. Flugelman. Uh, Fat Tony from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. I asked you about the pretzel money. Um, he is the head of the studio. And he's got two like henchmen, right-hand man, men. Phil Hartman and John Lovitz standing right there. <laughs> that one scene is just like Saturday Night Live, like right there. It'd be great. But they don't even have anything to do, those two. No, they were just like, hey, you want to be in our movie for like 10 minutes? Like, sure. And Hartman and Lovitz don't even make a joke. There's nothing funny that they do at all. Like, they just they just read straight lines for two minutes. And that's it. Then they're out. Hartman gets to tell them to take their clothes. Which is that is true. Uh, but he's just repeating the line from Montana. <laughs> Um, and they get fired because they wanted to ask for too much money. They wanted money at all. Yeah. They were doing it for free. <laughs> he was going to send them to Baja and shoot the film in eight days. And let's not forget. They are living up. They're living on the studio mansion wearing the studio clothes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not getting paid, but they're getting everything you would need to pay for. 
food and shelter and <laughs> lifestyle. Just the whole, that'll be the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I laughed, like, in preparation for that. <laughs> because, like, watching this, I remember watching this the first time. I had a similar viewing. I watched it with my friend Zach, who had seen it a yeah. hundred times. And, like... I don't know, that's where they're just, there's this whole other B story going on that I just, I never expected him to say that. I thought they were doing this whole thing, and he's like, no. You thought maybe the studio was going to send them to Santa Poco. I don't know, like, I thought they were going to set him up, and then it was just, I I love the line where uh, (laughs) Joe Montana asks, he's going to tell them they're going to get nothing now. He's like, nada, do you know what nada means, and all those pictures you did? It's nada like gravy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so they have to, like, they they leave and they get the telegram saying, come to Santa Poco, put on a show, defeat stop, El Guapo. Stop the infamous El Guapo. Now, what does infamous mean, Brent? <laughs> it means more than famous. Oh, more than famous. Infamous? Infamous? It's <laughs> a great I just love because Chevy Chase never really gets over it. He's like, the infamous? Like, when they're, like, three lines gone, he's like, the infamous. That's great. <laughs> So they make up their minds they're going to go to Mexico and, and make a fortune doing this show. Uh, they got to steal back their uniforms. There's a great bit of them sneaking into the studio. Whippoorwill! Whippoorwill! <laughs> hey! The bird thing? Man. That definitely gets funnier every time. Uh, and they're all still in their underwear because their clothes got taken. <laughs> they just wandered around until nighttime. Until night fell. And then they break into the studio, steal their three amigos' uniforms, and then... It has to be said, kind of dashingly, escape the security guards. Yeah, they they do their own stunts and stuff, I guess. I really thought when they got the ropes up in the stage guide wires to swing away from the security guards, I thought they were going to screw it up and like fall and hurt yeah. themselves. Nope. Well, and like Lucky, after the first pretend show in Santa Poco, he does a little like some rope trips rope and trips stuff, like. Uh, as far as I know, that shit's not easy to do, and he nails it. I read that Steve Martin learned all those rope tricks. Years before this, uh, when he was working in the magic shop at Disneyland, taught himself to do that. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, remember that old magic, magic shop that used to be on Main Street? I, I don't think it is is a magic shop anymore. But no, to, I didn't. I didn't grow up around here, so no, I neither I did I. World, but, but even just like, a few years ago, it was still there. Oh, I think it's gone okay. now. But on Main Street, one of the shops was a magic shop, and I remember like my son got like a trick deck of cards or something there before it was gone. Nice. Um, yeah, so he was really doing those ropes, rope tricks and stuff. Um, and, you know... I mean, it was 1986. It kind of had to be. It's not like they had a CG to face on someone else. <laughs> in, that, in that silent film that they did in the church, that you were watching in the church, you got to see the, the Amigos and, like, each of them had their special skill. So yeah. Lucky Day was using the ropes, you know, the rope tricks and uh, Ned Niederlander Ned was, was the fast draw sharpshooter yeah. quick draw what was Dusty's Dusty Bottoms what was his uh, special power I don't think he did much he just shot a guy <laughs> I don't think he did anything <laughs> throughout the film he doesn't have like his own thing except that he does play instruments he plays the guitar he plays piano mm-hmm. He was the music guy. Yeah, he was the music guy. You always need that in your Defenders of Cities. Uh, as I chose at the opening uh, of the episode, I love his name, Dusty Bottoms. <laughs> I love that. Um, so they get fired, but they're on their way to, to Mexico. And right around that same time, back in uh, the town that is not Santa Poco, but not too far from Santa Poco, where main, the bar is. The main city, yeah. The main city. Uh, the German airman arrives. And this is just like an arms dealer. Um, for some reason, we find out later what the reason is. But for some reason, he has a fancy silver Colt, just like the Amigos carry. Yeah. Um, and so people make fun of him for that, saying it's like a sissy sissy gun or something. And he's so good with it that he kills people easily, and tells them to be on the lookout for his friends and be more polite to them. And you're like, how will we know them? He's like, you will know. <laughs> You'll definitely know them. The Amigos walking in after that. Like, you know the joke's coming, but still they they are the most ostentatious-looking people you've ever seen. And, like, this... Everyone in that bar is super dirty. They haven't showered in months. 
and just like oh my and god, they I love stand up. it's so great. I love the outfits that the amigos wear because they're they have like silver sparkle all over them. <laughs> like there's not an inch of them that is not gleaming with the right light. And they walk up just like these shining sparkly suits, and they walk around to the bar like, uh, we're not Mexicans. <laughs> We're not Mexicans. We're not from around here. Um, I love that he's like, the German says to wait. And Steve Martin's like, oh. Oh. Like, that's... What? I totally I totally know who you're talking about. Got it. Um, why was the German speaking English to the Mexicans? Of the three languages we could have had play... Well, they weren't going to understand German. I guess maybe the German just doesn't speak... Spanish and most people, if they don't speak the primary language, do speak English. One thing I will say that bugged me so nowadays when I watch movies, I watch them with subtitles, and so yeah, the TV's just set that way. Yeah. So subtitles were on when we watched it here. Right. And whenever someone said something like "see," it would say "speak Spanish." I'm like, really, <laughs> really? Spanish continues. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Uh, a drink, por favor. And they're like, a drink, speak Spanish. So, I'm like, what? It'd be great if the... If, Who did the subtitles for this? It'd be great if the subtitle was like Spanish gibberish. <laughs> Incomprehensible Spanish. Um, and so so the, when the Amigos show up, everyone is really frightened of them because they think that they're just as deadly as the German who just left. And so they give them a wide berth and, hey, have a drink and settle down. And they do their big... Musical, My Little Buttercup. My Little Buttercup, which is hysterical. Dusty playing the playing the piano. I love when they're like, Dusty, why don't you hit over that piano? He's like, as he's walking to the piano, he's like, no, I haven't played in so long. And they're like, here we go. <laughs> My favorite part of the My Little Buttercup, Buttercup bit is when they start going to the crowd for participation. And they a said, smile. has the sweetest... <laughs> a smile. A smile. <laughs> the a smile kills me <laughs> um, but then soon after Carmen shows up and takes him to Santa Poco yeah. uh, via one mule all three of them on one mule like one donkey on one mule. donkey yeah, yeah. okay um, they're greeted by the townsfolk including a small boy named Pablo who has the best greeting line ever <laughs> which is can I have your watch when you are dead <laughs> and he says it to Dusty who's like I think Steve Martin who says, what did he say? <laughs> I didn't want to catch that. Can I have your watch when you are dead? Oh, that's the best. Um, and they, they break bread with the locals. Dusty demonstrates that his taco skills are about as strong as my taco skills. <laughs> and try to fold it. I know you say you just fold up the bottom and then fold the sides and it's not going to come apart on you. But it always comes apart on me. I, I can't keep it together. I gotta do. You're as bad as Dusty I'm, Bottoms. I'm almost as bad as Dusty Bottoms with tacos. Oh, I love tacos, but they're a messy, messy food as far as I'm concerned. I know. Being in the middle of a very small Mexican village and saying, "Do you have anything other than Mexican food?" It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Chevy Chase delivers those lines with such. There is a reason he straight. Is he is. Yeah, he's. A I. Great. You can't believe how straight he delivers them, and they're so great. That's everything that he does. Every movie, every all the Christmas vacation stuff and all the vacation movies. Um, and then later at night, the Amigos are all sleeping in the same bed. It reminded me of like all those old Laurel and Hardy movies or, or Three Stooges uh, films. I don't know if you ever saw any of that stuff, but they were like whenever they would show them at home, they'd be like in one bed together. <laughs> like why are these guys in a single why bed? Why do they have two beds? No idea. And they'd like fall asleep and blow like one feather between them as they're snoring. Yeah. Whatever. Um, a few of El Guapo's men decide to have some drunken fun in Santa Poco while Carmen is doing laundry with some people, one of whom has got to be at least her very close sister, if not her twin. Because I leaned over to you at one point and I was like, she is a doppelganger for Carmen. <laughs> There's at least one other Carmen in this village. She looked exactly like her. Oh, maybe they're sisters. Who knows? Brent at that point leaned over and said, "You're racist." <laughs> yeah, not all Mexicans look the same, Kelly. <laughs> not all, just that one. Um, and she and her doppelganger sound the alarm when they see the drunks coming to shoot up the town, and they. they I tell wish Amigos. I wish Brandy was here because I would call out that like, uh, she's bad with faces in general, 
But whenever it's a black person or someone of color, I'm always like, God, that's so racist. You can't say that. <laughs> but I say it even if she's like, isn't that, that guy from that commercial? I'm like, no. Not all white people look the same, Brandy. <laughs> Jeez, Brandy. That's great. Um, there's... The, 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 it's, what was it? Three guys come to shoot up the... Mm-hmm. Get, they just want tequila, basically. They're drunk. Yeah. Which they get. Which they get tequila. But they... they Carmen and her her friend race up to tell the amigos, oh, El Guapo's men are here. Look out the window. Like, I thought we were going to get, like, 50 guys coming in for this show. There's only three guys. All right. They go downstairs, and they think it's a show, so they put on their best makeup and suits, and they... The best part of this whole sequence is the, like, POV of the... That is disturbing. It's like them doing circles around going, ha-ha, and, like, shooting in the air. It's so great. Yeah. It's really weird. All three of them get that POV shot. And again, Chevy Chase in the POV shot is almost falling off the horse. He's like, he's not even shooting anything. He's, he's just, just kind of smiling and winking. The, the pistol back and yeah. forth is great. Um, and so the three guys are just kind of flummoxed by the, the three amigos circling around them and shooting guns in the air. And they leave because they don't know what else to do. They got to go tell El Guapo what's going on because this is weird. And so everyone thinks you've defeated the enemy. Yeah. And they have a big celebration. And this celebration in Santa Poco has um, more sparkling firework pinwheels <laughs> than could possibly be safe to have in one single small environment. No, it's like 100 fireworks per person in this town. You see showers of sparks everywhere. And Constantly. they're living in this tiny little like shack town. And I can't imagine the place not burning to the ground. I just imagine them before the party hosing everything down just to make sure that it doesn't all catch fire. Pretty much. Um, it, has, it has a great... I mean, there's so many great lines. In there. I don't want to quote every single good funny line, but when Dusty is just fiddling with the guitar and the Carmen clone says you could kiss me on the veranda it's like lips are fine lips are fine oh my god oh, oh something lost in the translation there Dusty um, and then the real show I mean there's there's more with El Guapo and, but the real showdown happens not shortly after there El Guapo brings his 50 men it's got to be said, his the size of El Guapo's men... More like 30. Well, it varies from scene to scene. Like, it could be as little as 10 or as many as, like, 70, depending on <laughs> how long they keep that camera focused on the horses trundling by. But it, it seems to, like, really vary and shrink back and forth. So many people just, like, left for the day. Yeah, that's it's true. Maybe yeah. some of them cycle in and out. Yeah. They got other stuff going on, other parts of their lives. Um, they also have, El, El Guapo also has sort of a harem back at his base. Yeah. That is not at all upset to be, like, they're not kidnap victims. They're just, like, living there and, like, they wave fondly goodbye yeah, to El Guapo like, when he checks out. And they're, they're yeah. happy to be there, I guess. Yeah, even when, even when uh, El Guapo kidnaps Carmen and all the stuff, she's just... His main girl, so to speak, is just like but prepping she's, her. She's not in like least, a jealous way or no. like a, anything. It's like, hey, this happens, man. Yeah. And she, I, I think, like, Carmen's at least kept in sort of a locked room, at least. Yeah. But the others, who knows? Maybe when they all first arrived, they were kept in locked rooms until they, they were just, yeah. conditioned, to, you know, brainwashed to accept know. their lot in life. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of stuff about El Wapo that, like, if you really think about it, is, like, pretty fucking awful. Yeah. And it's like, he more or less says he's going to rape her that night. Wow. But, like, it's played for laughs in a way that, like, I don't know that if I was a woman, I would have laughed the same way. No. Especially, and it's just... I mean, at one point, he even admits to having raped the horses and rode the women. <laughs> that was Dusty. Dusty, rec- Dusty suggested it, but he repeated it with gusto. <laughs> um... The real showdown is hysterical because, you know, the guys just think it's another show that they're doing. Oh, we're doing a second show, and they go out to have fun with it. And what is it, Lucky that takes the shot in the arm? Steve Martin? Yeah, it's Steve Martin that gets shot, and then he figured, he goes and touches oh. Hefe's bullets, and he's like, it, it's real. It's That's real. the best when he them, comes back to Them coming back and all crying That's... because they all think they're going to die. And the thing I thought, cause so so yeah, he comes back and he's like, uh, it's real. They're, they're going to kill us. It's real. 
And the thing that really made me happy was when they all start crying because I thought to myself, if I realized someone was about to shoot me, I'd probably cry. <laughs> yeah, none of this is unrealistic. I would be bawling just... too. Because like, if I realized there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to stop these guys, they're about to shoot me. I'd cry. <laughs> but it's so sad when they just start to break into tears. <laughs> they just keep going. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Um, but El Guapo lets them go because he realizes they're just actors and there's no sport in shooting these fools. Yeah. And he lets them go and then he's... He punishes... He punishes the town. For it. But before he starts to destroy the town, he sends his men to basically ravage the entire town, he lights a stick of dynamite, <laughs> tosses it to his man, Hefe. He must know that Hefe is just great at catching. Who's holding it for a while. And then Hefe calmly saunters over to a building, opens the door, puts the dynamite in, closes the door, Ten seconds walks later, away, <laughs> another six seconds later, it goes off. And then everybody starts blowing stuff up with other sticks of dynamite, but when they throw it, it just explodes as soon as it lands. They're much better at their timings. Or they've got much shorter wicks. Something. Um, or fuses, I suppose is the word. Uh, oh, it's, it's great. And they destroy most of the town, most of the buildings, and... The Amigos find that Carmen has been kidnapped. And you think when they find this out, because there's been like sparks between Lucky and Carmen, Mm -hmm. Steve Martin's character. uh, And you think that when they find this out, it's going to be Lucky who says, well, I have to go get her and ropes the other two into helping him. They'd already established that Ned was the idealist. When he gets his money, he's going to start like an orphanage. An orphanage for, for 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 wayward children, and the other two are like, "Oh yeah, sure." Yeah, after that, I thought of I crime. thought of that first, but tax purposes. But I I honestly thought he was going to being the romantically involved one was going to be the one that pulls the rest of them into the rescue mission. But he writes Carmen off immediately when he finds out she's been no. Kidnapped. He's like, well, his, his it's Mexico. Guys. His response after <laughs> he like finds out down. his response after he finds out that they, that they took Carmen is, "Let's get out of Mexico." <laughs> That's it. It's Mexico town, Dusty. Yeah. Uh, I should really like that Ned is the one that stands up to it, because Ned hasn't actually done a lot in the movie up until now. It's basically been the Steve Martin show, which is fine, with um, with Chevy giving like a lot of the laughs. And yeah. Ned, like, I, on subsequent viewings, I enjoy his, his story that he tells the... The village kids about meeting some random actress and like I don't know what to make of that scene. I don't because they're they're that's nobody. It's we are experiencing the exact same thing those kids (laughs) are. Okay, that makes sense. And like that's why the first time you see it, you're like, am I supposed to know who that is? And like as you keep going, you realize that like no, nobody knows. It's not even an actress. It's not even a famous actress. It's the famous actress's sister. sister. Which he, you know, which William's sister? He wedges that into the <laughs> sentence so that if you're not paying attention, you won't even hear that part. You have got it. Um, but, like, Ned actually, like, he's the one that stands up, and then there's the whole thing with the with the standoff later. And, I'm like, I'm glad that actually all of them get something to do. Yeah. Because they really had enough until although, although Ned is the also, like, <laughs> to be honest... He's the only one of them who's dangerous. Like, he can sure. actually shoot things yes. from insane distances with insane accuracy. At insane speeds. Right. The whole thing is the German practiced his whole life to be a quick draw. Yeah. And Ned's faster than him anyway. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so they decide... With a gun that's like ten times as heavy as he's used right. to. So, so they decide they're going to go rescue Carmen. And they say, in, in a very dramatic, heroic way, they go, let's ride! And they ride off in the next scene... <laughs> With them camped out. How far, how far do you think we got before we had to go back for directions? Oh, like three or four miles. And what what is lost on what was lost on me, at least as a kid, the first couple times I watched this, is the directions they got from Santa Poco to how to reach this guy's camp was right into the It's a mythical this, quest. Right into you find the singing bush and then you do the chant and do the invisible swordsman and then he'll show you the yeah. way. It's like this is how everyone gets there. Yeah. They, it's like, no, follow the fucking road, guys. <laughs> Everybody must know where El Guapo is. How hard would it be? How could you not follow 50 fucking horse tracks? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, instead man. they're told this mythical quest. Read back those instructions, uh, Ned. Okay, and he opens up the notebook. He's like, 
ride through the right east through the desert. None of them know which way is east. Right east <laughs> they all the point desert. They all point ways. a different direction. Until <laughs> uh, you get to the singing bush, say the the secret enchantment, shoot shoot once in the air, which will summon the invisible swordsman who will uh, show who will then show you the way to El Guapo's. This guy is basically just going to then give them directions. <laughs> Okay, fine. And I love that the singing bush and the invisible swordsman are real. For no particular reason, everything else in this had been more or less, I mean, realistic is strong, but like based somewhat in reality. I love when they find the singing bush. There's literally a gyrating bush in the middle of the desert going, she'll be riding six white horses when she comes. And they stop to constantly go are you the singing bush <laughs> it's like he, he's not listening i guess he's the singing bush and he it's just like, keeps going with it how do we know it's this singing bush? <laughs> she'll be coming around the mountain oh it's the best and uh and so you summon the, the invisible swordsman and they're supposed to shoot up in the air dusty just shoots dusty behind kills him, him shoots the invisible swordsman and that's all gold um but they don't worry about being able to find el guapo's camp because they see the German's plane fly overhead, and they figure he's heading for El Guapo's camp. We'll follow the plane. They're right. Then we have the scene at El Guapo's. This is probably the most famous of the of the scenes in Three Amigos. At least one of them. I always heard people quoting this forever, and I hadn't seen the movie. The plethora, the plethora yeah. of piñatas for El Guapo's birthday party. And I, I wanted to ask you about it because. I know you love this movie, but for me, it's like one of the weakest jokes of oh, the film. Oh, it's not funny, man. I don't laugh at it. No. No, to me, all his guys getting together and buying him a sweater is infinitely funnier. Yeah, especially the sweater that they bought. Because he opens it, he's like, he's a sweater! <laughs> and he's very excited about it. It's a super wholesome moment. <laughs> it's like, a super ugly sweater, too. It's not a good sweater. A bunch of, like bandits got it for him he's it's so hilarious. happy about it he's like he's very guys. excited it's great but that whole plethora of pinatas that was it's a weird joke that came out of nowhere yeah. in like i wonder if that was i mean was did someone specifically write that scene or did just kind of someone was playing around with what they could do for a scene and somebody like thought it was funny and left it in i don't, I don't know. know well there's a lot of like bits in this movie yeah that like have nothing to do with what's happening, but like like them all in the bed and talking about what they're going to do with the money and stuff sure. like that that are just, they're like, we need a funny joke for this scene. And they got a bunch of comedy writers and they did it. And like, you get that sense for a okay. lot of these little things. And like, this one didn't land. Although, like I said, it landed with people a lot of other people. My, you know, I had friends who were quoting that line forever. I mean, I was like, yeah, that's... It's that's why I always knew what plethora meant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then the German arrives at El Guapo's uh, with his two friends. They're delivering their guns so El Guapo can continue his reign of terror across the countryside unabated, or un, unimposed. Um, Dusty's song... Uh, I'm sorry, not Dusty's song. <laughs> <laughs> can't read my notes. Dusty swings from the top. They're, they're going to they're going to sneak into El Guapo's camp, and they swing from the top of the wall into various places in El Guapo's. Camp. Yeah, Ned swings into a pinata and gets stuck and hangs there. And for hangs hours. there for three more scenes. <laughs> I actually forgot he was there, <laughs> so that when he so falls nice. in later, I laughed so hard because I totally forgot he was up there. And then he goes falling around this guy. And then, like, it's clearly a dummy, too, because it hits so hard on the table. It would have broken his face (laughs) just on the landing. He lands belly flop down. Yeah, they just throw it on that table, and he's like, hey. (laughs) He pops up. And then Dusty swings into Carmen's cell, continues through the room and into her closet, which locks behind him. And Lucky swings and just Straight into the ground. Flops right in front of El Guapo (laughs) on the ground. Um, and he gets thrown into a cell with the, which the most needlessly complicated, Convoluted easily escapable shackles. I mean, all you had to do was continue pushing. If he could do it, it must be really easy to do. Yeah, I feel like they played him as being extra strong no, or something. I don't Steve know where Martin. that came from. Um, but I, I love those. Dusty uh, confers with Carmen from, from inside her closet. That he's going to help her get out, and they disguise him as one of El Guapo's men. Uh, 
And when El Guapo is going amongst his men and, and celebrating his relationship, his deep personal association <laughs> yeah. with each and every one of them, he comes up to, to Dusty and Dusty tries to pass himself off as someone named Jose and try to pass off the, what did we do together? We uh, burned the village. We raped the horses. We, we run off on the women. <laughs> we pruned, who the, hell are you? pruned the hedges. Hedges of many small villages. <laughs> Um, we find out find out when Ned falls and they're going to kill him and the German stops them because he recognizes Ned we find out that Ned is the only Amigo we sort of got a little bit of this earlier Ned's the only of the Amigos who had a career before the Amigos yeah Ned was a child star uh, who went by the name of Little Neddy Nickers or as the German says <laughs> Little Neddy Snickers <laughs> Knickers Knickers <laughs> Um, he's very big in Germany, which I guess is uh, makes sense as his last name, Niederlander, is Dutch for Dutchman. There you go. Um, and he had like all these movies like Little Nettie Goes to War and, and I don't know, whatever, Little Nettie Knickers, whatever. <laughs> um, but that's when we find out that the German, car- the German carries the same silver colts that the Amigos do because he's in awe of Ned, or at least he was at some point in his life. He's Before he learned about trick photography. Right. So he spent his whole life trying to be as fast on the drawer as Little Nettie Knickers. And then he wrote it off saying it can't be done because of trick photography. That's how they must have done it in the movies. And Ned says, I never used trick photography. I'll prove it to you right now. <laughs> and they're like, oh, are we going to target we can hit? Yeah. So they have their shootout. Ned wins and the Amigos get I the I really like how all that plays out because... Ned shoots the German pilot, and then, like, they shoot some guys, and, like, they get the drop on El Wapo and run away, but, like, we don't really talk about the fact that Ned just killed a guy. Yep. Even though he uh, protests that he does not shoot at people. <laughs> he was not raised that way. He definitely he shot at now. a person. Um, what I love is there's... This would have been... I, I would have loved this in an actual action movie. Even not just a straight comedy, because it's so... It worked so perfectly. So Ned was given, before the shootout with the, the German, Ned was given this giant pistol to use that was way too heavy for him. Yeah. Weighted him down like a brick. Um, and so when he draws it and fires it, the kickback is so immense... <laughs> That that giant gun flies straight up out of his hands into the hands of Steve Martin, who's on the roof, who then uses it to cover the rest of them. It was so great. And then he and Ned uses his waistbanded other gun to, to do the trick shoot. I thought it was great. I mean, that was a good bit of stunt coordinating. And yeah, was, that whole scene's great. Yeah. Um, I love I love Lucky calling from the from the from the roof. Throw down your guns! And Dusty throws his on the foot. Not you, Dusty. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, And there's the rescue of Carmen in hot pursuit by uh, all the banditos as they chase... But they take the plane home, so they get home hours ahead of them. They take the plane. That uh, looked fantastic. You just have... You just have Lucky and Dusty hanging onto the wings (laughs) with Ned flying and Carmen in the back. Um, I was just wondering... How hard is it, do you think? I mean, how fast would a plane like that? It's just a biplane. How fast could that fly? Would that be okay to hold on to? Like, would you really have to struggle to hold on to that wing, or could you do it? I don't know that I'd want to do it for hours. Right. But it probably goes 40 or 50 miles an hour. Okay, so that's not too terribly bad. Like, if you're going 45 miles an hour, you can hold on. Well, really, you're just steadying yourself. Yeah, you could hold on to that wing. I mean, the stun guys did. Sure. Well, they, they did, but they could have also been bolted on, or God, I That's hope they true. were. Well, sure. With like a safety... I still think it's... I don't know, it's a one. John Landis movie. He might know, have just told right? you, you hold on to that you plane. You do that, or I'll kill you just like I killed all those kids. <laughs> you know I have a reputation... Oh. <laughs> God. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> We've gone back to the dark place we tried to get out of before. Um, but uh, the, the other great thing about the plane is... It's a big comedic bit about how Ned, at the beginning of the movie, said, I flew one of those, and little Nettie goes to war. And then when they actually have to fly the plane, they said, great, what luck, it's the same plane you flew. They said, well, actually, it was my stunt double. <laughs> but I think I can remember it. And then when they're flying, they're all screaming, because obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. 
And when they're coming in to land at Santa Poco, they scream, they scream, the camera topples over left and right, and you think it's going to be a spectacular crash, and then suddenly... It's a land on a dime in the street. <laughs> yeah, perfect landing right in the middle of the deadline. Perfect. It's like, yeah, it just comes to a complete stop in no time. And you're like, what? Yeah, it just jumped off. And then, um, I love this this bit. They're trying to figure out what to do because the hordes of El Guapo are going to be here soon. Uh, they probably bought themselves, what, a couple hours? Well, I think we talked about this during the movie, but... The Migos had to camp overnight before they got there. That's true. So maybe and it's a day. like they got there early morning. Like so, maybe like a day. Yeah. If, if El Guapo's men are riding at top speed, just all. Then it would probably take them up. four or five hours or something because they know where they're going. Okay. So they, bought, they had to, they had a little time. They bought themselves at least not that a much. Time. How do we fortify the town? What can we do to fortify the town? And what does this town He's like, do? We need to use the talents of this town. What are you good at? And they're like, we can sell. <laughs> Okay. Ah. <laughs> Ned, Ned goes, ah, and Dusty's like, if only we'd known that sooner. <laughs> yeah. Um, we wouldn't have had any of this trouble. But then again, this reminded me very much of Blazing Saddles. Did you say you hadn't seen Blazing Saddles? I have not. So at the end of Blazing Saddles... Spoilers. Spoilers. I don't think this will Brand ruin, new movie. This won't ruin the movie for you. You're still going to watch it with me. Even if we don't do a podcast on it, I want you to see this movie. But at the end of Blazing Saddles, the bad guys are coming to the town, which is called Rock Ridge. And what the town does is they all get together and they build basically a Hollywood set fake town in the time that they have before the bandits arrive. They build the facade of an actual town with the facades of people standing in the doorways like with their hands on springs waving back and forth and stuff. So that when the bandits arrive, uh, they shoot up the fake town and use up all their ammunition and everything and then they can't attack the real town and the able to overpower them. It's very much that same kind of scenario nice. here. But here, they use their incredible sewing skills <laughs> to sew a lot of... Uh, amigo costumes. Amigo costumes for all shapes and sizes and all members of the town. Men, women, and children. My favorite thing is... So, during... When El Wapo and his men appear and... They're like actually having the shootout with the teleporting amigos. It is definitely Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and uh, yeah, and Ned and all of them. Martin Short, yeah. And every single time, it's definitely them. And then it cuts to all of them walking out in much shittier costumes. <laughs> and like, I get that it's from the perspective of the bandits, but yeah. like, it's funny when like, <laughs> I love when they finally reveal like all the other townspeople in their costumes uh, who have been... Even the old grandmother. The grandmother. <laughs> that's... The grandmother looks the best. She, she is... She's got to be 95 years old, wizened beyond anything you've ever seen, and she is, like, maybe all of four feet high in her, in her Three Amigos costume. I like... Where did all these guns come from? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess... I don't know. You live out there, you, you got a gun. It's just that they're not gun Do you, fighters. Because I feel like three dudes showing up to your town when all of you are armed. They're not gun fighters. Uh, they're yeah. scared to fight. I don't know, they kill a bunch of those guys. That's true. <laughs> so, during that battle, um, when the Amigos have helped, with the townspeople's help, made it seem that there are infinite Amigos hiding in various places throughout the town, uh, El Guapo's men abandon him. Yeah, they just leave. So long, we're out of here, and El Guapo is uh, shot and killed. I yeah. Mean, By some grandmother, probably. Yeah. I don't think it was any one of our boys. It was just a I mean, random could, shot. Who knows? Yeah. Probably Ned. Yeah, could be. Um, I loved that that whole plan, dressing up the town like that, came when Lucky says to uh, Ned, you remember our film Amigos, Amigos, Amigos? <laughs> And I didn't realize until later, and I was thinking about it, that Amigos, Amigos, Amigos is three Amigos. It's just Amigos three times. Yeah. And that's the name of a movie starring the three Amigos. And I thought, how meta that was. <laughs> just like, oh, that's great. Um, and so this was obviously done in one of their movies, I guess, and they made it work. Um, it's fantastic. They beat El Guapo and the day is saved. 
Pablo gets his watch anyway, even though Dusty... Yeah, Dusty's not dead. Dusty just gives him the watch. I loved that. My favorite part is Carmen comes and gives a big kiss to Steve Martin, and he's like, I'll come back for you. <laughs> She's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, ugh. Sorry. That was great. And then let's not forget, uh, Ned gets to really kiss this Playboy centerfold, Rebecca Underwood. Who is June 1986's Playmate of the Month. Really? Yes. <laughs> She's listed as Hot Senorita in the cr- closing credits. Uh, who kisses Ned? Yeah, she was just a Playboy Playmate of the Month. That That's they great. got on stage st- to kiss Ned. Uh, never before in the film, never after in the film. Because that's the end of the movie. They ride off into the sunset, and you hear that fantastic song again. Yeah, their plan is to uh, do what the three megs are supposed to do and continue going on saving people. Is that, you think, the plan? They're just going to continue living in That's what they said when they Mexico? wrote off. Well, I mean, Ned did spell it out. It's like, we got nothing for us back home. we got no job, no place to live, yeah. no friends, but we could be something here. So I guess that is the plan. They're going to continue adventuring. Three Amigos 2, coming anytime. Three Amigos 2 would be six Amigos? <laughs> um, Three Amigos Square would be nine Amigos. Well, that brings us to the part of the podcast where we examine the fundamental questions. Would this deserve another go-around? And if so, how would you do it? What would you change? Any thoughts? Uh, I don't want them to do it. Noted. I know exactly what you mean about... I mean, there's plenty of, plenty of properties I wouldn't want them to, but if they were going to. But, like, the team that did, like, 21 Jump Street... Sure. I think they could do it. Now that... So now in the, the case of 21 Jump Street, that's taking what was, for its time, a serious drama... That's true. ...and turning it into a comedy. So are you saying take Three Amigos as a comedy and turn it into a serious drama? My problem is that they kind of did do this. Like, to me, this is what Tropic Thunder was, is that idea of, like, I I think taking, we don't really have the ultra comedians that we did in the 80s. Like, the roles that Steve Martin and Chevy Chase especially held at that time, Mm -hmm. we don't have comedians that are that right now, to me. Maybe... Will Ferrell was five, ten I think years you could, ago. I think you could make a pitch that someone like Ryan Reynolds. Well, okay, my point was you need to take serious actors mm. and have them do this, but do the comedy parts. And that's why Tropic Thunder worked, is because you have like Robert Downey Jr. doing sure. this. And then, like, yes, you have uh, Ben Stiller, who's technically a comedy guy, but like, I don't know. They really did a good job doing that part of it. Yeah. And I think you need to take... You need to almost do it for real. Like, not do it for real, but, like, take people that would have been those... Those actors. Like, get, like... Get, like, Christian Bale. Get, like... Oh, my God. (laughs) Get Robert Downey Jr. Get, um... Christian Bale, Robert Downey Jr. Who's the gladiator? Why can I never think of Russell Crowe? You get like Russell Crowe. Get like people like that who <laughs> act really tough. Oh my God. And they get them in a situation where like where they're, they're crying. not at all. Where they're and crying because they're, like, they're about to die. I love that idea that so much. Be, I think that would be the way to do it now is like double down on the tough actor isn't tough. Like, Oh my God, I love that. I love that cast. But you got to do something like that instead of someone like The Rock because... Because The Rock is too associated with comedy now. He well, he's... you also cannot believe that The Rock can't handle himself in a fight. Sure, that's true. Sorry, there's but also The Rock. <laughs> most of what The Rock does now is right. He just roles, does these action comedies where he's a tough and he yeah. fucking nails it. And that's yeah. Oh, he's great at it. Don't get me wrong. He's the wrong cast for this. You need the. You need I love the, your like, cast. You need the overly serious action stars. Oh my god, I want your cast to make this movie <laughs> so bad. Oh, that Like, so even weird. Robert Downey Jr. is kind of a stretch. Like, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe are the ones I'm very proud of. You need other people. I'm imagining like... <laughs> Russell Crowe saying, lips would be fine. <laughs> right now, I would laugh so hard at that. And Christian Bale being like, just crying, he's like, it's real. Yes! Yes! Oh my god, yes, that's so great. 
And you know, like, if you got that, if you got a, like, updated script to those guys, they'd probably jump on it, man. They'd love to just prove that they can yeah. do something fun. You know, they're probably, those guys in particular, those three particularly, would probably be really in the mood for something completely out of left yeah. field. Right about now. Well, let's write it. Send it to them. Uh, but the rights for Three Amigos isn't very expensive. So, I was thinking about it, and I, cu- I couldn't come up with, like, I couldn't think of uh, a way to reimagine it exactly. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was something that would easily lend itself to uh, a revisit in the terms of a sequel kind of thing. So then... Titles just started sort of jumping out at me that I thought were amusing. Uh, things like Son of the Three Amigos. <laughs> now just think of that title for a second. <laughs> yeah. Right there, that kind of sets the tone for the movie. <laughs> like, who's son? Right, exactly. <laughs> and then the movie can sort of be about that. Like, whose kid is this? And who's his father? Those three amigos were all in Santa Poco at the same time. They were all at that celebration. And you do a Mamma Mia? You do a Mamma Mia. It's sort of like three men and a little cowboy. God, you did. Son of the Amigos is instead like Mamma Mia it by inviting them all back. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my God. I, I really like that. Son of the Three Amigos. Um, <laughs> is it a musical? I, it I wasn't it until just now, be. but I think it could be. Uh, the other one, I, uh, the other title that jumped out at me was Curse of the Invisible Swordsman. Okay. Yeah. So if you shoot the Invisible Swordsman, some, there's got to be consequences to that. We don't know anything about that whole mythology, but there had to be a reason that there... I mean, we don't need to know what the reason was, but if they're going to make a movie, we could find out what the reason was. Why, why, why Invisible Swordsman? What was his purpose? What happens if you kill him? What are the consequences? Make it real serious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deadly serious. Um, and then... My last idea was sort of a, uh, a mock documentary, or mockumentary, yes. as we've heard them called. Three Amigos, sort of under the sombrero kind of thing, <laughs> where you're talking to the actors, like you're, you're learning about their, the actors' histories and how they all came together to start making the Three Amigos movies. You learn about little Nettie Nicker's career and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Maybe like uh, the fate of the, of the lost fourth Amigo. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. like, like Buck or whatever his name was, <laughs> and how he didn't work out, and you could have like a famous comedian be him. It's like, and just like interviews with Steve Martin and and Chevy Chase and and Martin Short. You could find out what happened to the Amigos afterwards, like how they ended up like on the run from the Mexican government and <laughs> like yeah. killed by federales or something like that. Of course, you can't interview them if they're killed by federales, but still. Um, I don't know something something just a comedic so documentary thing, but uh, Son of the Three Amigos I think is my probably my best pick. Every time we do this, of all the ideas we've come up with, I think these are the most solid plans. <laughs> I, I actually think these would work. Yeah, I mean, all of them, or at least I mean, a lot of them hinge on either being able to land really big names for mine or being able to get the originals back for yours. Mm. Which, as I understand it, Chevy Chase is. Little hard to work with. Who knows what? So you don't. And Steve Martin's just making like country albums. Yeah, you can always always have the one that died. You know, you can't ever, you can't ever find out if Dusty was the father. Dusty died. (laughs) But that always seems like such a rip to me when they do stuff like that, where they can't get a certain actor back, so they just kill off their character. I hate that. Did you ever watch? Oh my gosh! Why can't I think of the name of it? The movie where the where the kid's dad is a fighter pilot and gets captured in Iraq, and he and his friends Iron Eagle. Yes. Okay. Louis Gossett Jr. Did you ever see Iron Eagle Two? <laughs> Wasn't was Chappie Sinclair in, in Iron okay, Eagle Two? See, in Iron Eagle Two, I think they reused some footage from one oh, and no. had Richard Richard Grieco, who's the son. Maybe it wasn't Richard Grieco. Whoever played I, I, the son. I don't know, maybe. They have him fly into a cliff wall in like inside a minute. So there is... It's like, just have him not be there. You what? don't have to do that to him. He was already a good pilot. Why would you do this? How could he fly into a wall? Now he flies straight into a cliff wall in a 
explodes. And you're just like, what is this movie? I went through a whole movie with this kid. And there's actually like, I think there's like five or six Iron Eagles. There's a ton. And they all have Louis Gossett Jr. Oh, really? He's the the through line. He's the through line. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I hate that. Um... Well, I think I think we've got some some usable suggestions there for Hollywood. I think we do too. That's good. <laughs> and I think we're going to come in under the running time of three amigos for our podcast. Oh, excellent! Which is uh, kind of a new record for us. <laughs> Let's not jinx it then, and quickly wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. If uh, you like what you heard today and like to go back and listen to our library, we've got them all. They can be found on iTunes or wherever better podcasts are downloaded you go over to our website uh, illuminates.rocks if you do go ahead uh, to iTunes want to give us a a like or maybe a pleasant comment about how funny and wonderful we all are (laughs) we we appreciate that get us a little push in the in the in the lineup Um, until next time uh, we've done our job Hollywood now do you you do yours. Let's try that. Take two. Take two. I missed I missed a line. <laughs> They'll never pick it up. <laughs>